Hello everyone, today I'm here with Shaheen Surani. Maybe I pronounce it wrong. Uh, is, is it fine? Perfectly pronounced. All right. <laughs> um, for, 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 for people who follow Shaheen, obviously everyone knows that you're like the lover or like the master of control. You're also very active on like Star City games. Uh, you're writing articles, uh, playing the tournaments and stuff like that. Uh, how's it going, man? It's going okay, man. It's been uh, it's been a good ride. It's uh, obviously the lockdown has affected us older folk, us boomer paper boomers, as we're called. So uh, not much tournament play these days. But you know, when it comes back, I'll uh, dust it off and uh, be ready to go. So, are you currently at work? Because it looks like you kind of are. Is isn't that the case? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I work at a high school actually. I'm a uh, you know besides tournament play and all that good stuff, I um. I have uh, went to school for education. I taught for a good decade, and now uh, you know, doing a little magic interview behind the scenes here at uh, the high school here in Virginia. And um, you know, it's are you not I appreciate. Are you not teaching anymore? No, I'm. I'm, a, I'm an administrator, so I basically kind of like an assistant principal. I, I manage a couple programs here. I work with at-risk kids that are close to not graduating. I help them get their requirements. I do, I manage tutoring. I work with uh, testing. So, uh, you know, after years of teaching, I decided to get into the administration business. But you were a teacher for 10 years, right? Like what, what subjects were you, were you actually teaching? I taught American history, world history, um, got like uh, econ, personal finance. Uh, so stuff like that, the histories and, um, you know, uh, mainly uh, high school students. So uh, seniors, like 12th grade, so 17, 18 year olds. I'm actually interested about this because I never really talked to a person who like teaches world history in America because I I'm sure that like they teach us like a different history than they teach you. Like for us, it's like mostly all about Europe and we have like very little of Asia and America and Africa. Is that like, is that a case for America as well? Or like, what kind of a history do you actually teach? It's actually uh, funny you say that because I don't think I can teach history now knowing what I know <laughs> about the world and politics. Um, but no, I, it's the same here, man. When I taught world history, they should have just called it European history. We teach it from a very European centric uh, standpoint. We teach very little about Asia. We teach very little about Africa. Um, so we call it world history, but it really is European history and we teach, you know, the origination of Western culture with Rome and Greece and we teach yeah. about uh, their influence on us. But so it's about the same over yeah, here. It's probably as the it same. Yeah, there. it's probably the yeah. same. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always like thought that was just like the normal thing, but then I lived in Japan and I was like, oh wait, they like actually have like their own history, and I, I don't really know anything about it. I, I just thought it was kind of weird, but it's the same here, man. We teach them. We say, oh, Shintoism. We teach about you know uh, the different religions of like Taoism, Confucianism in China, and then that's it. And then we teach about European stuff. So it's really. It's it's a and it's a problem. Like I said, if I taught history still, I wouldn't teach it the same. I would disregard those uh, standards that were that are given to us, and I would teach it more from a world view and probably get in trouble. But you know, <laughs> it's the right thing to do. So yeah. So you know, when I when I asked you about like non magic activities, you mentioned uh, the fact that you obviously play a lot of like PC games and stuff. But what caught my attention is that you like like uh, stock trading and you're like uh, political activist. Um, 
with, with, with the stock trading part um does it mean that you just like kind of like to do it for fun or do you like actually understand it so i have a co- couple colleagues I, i meet with and we have like weekly meetings and we get on zoom and we talk uh talk shop and we do all the research man they know about i mean outside of just quarterly reports and knowing like you know uh income distribution we talk about new management new products new i mean we, we get into the nitty-gritty and um you know just try to make sure we we get into the it's not really about the late game we're, we're kind of like early game enthusiasts we want to get into those companies get the quick buck and get out so um it's been fun i you know beside money making is just an exciting uh gambling you can do from within your house kind of it's it's um you know but of course if you do research you get rewarded that way so it's one of those things where it's like you know I, it's something had to be done during this pandemic and I was just doing more things that I could do from the comfort of my computer. So gaming, of course, uh, like Warzone that I mentioned, and also like stock training, these are things I can do from my computer share. So, um, you know, that's, there are some good things from the pandemic that came out. It made me get into these, uh, other hobbies and this one's been more lucrative than the other ones also helped me replace all that missing uh, magic money that I used to be accustomed to getting. So, um, yeah, it's been basically, really basically the reason why I ask whether you like actually understand it or not is because, you know, everyone is talking about Bitcoin right now and maybe you have like more information than other people. And I don't really know anything about it. Like I know, I, I know that like it, it's going kind of up, especially after like Elon Musk bought it, but like, you know, maybe there will be like a crisis and it will like go down back. Like, like do you know any, anything about that? I know probably about as much as you know, not much more. I know that I'm late to the party and whenever you're late to the party with a stock, it's it's common knowledge not to like get in. Uh, but Bitcoin's a different animal, man. I mean, it's the the experts and people that, you know, research it a lot more than me are convinced it's going to be $100,000 uh, by the end of the year. So um, I'm just not confident. Um, the, you know, it's hard to say there's data behind it and research because it's so new and there's It's just all, I think, feel at this point and prediction of how the world's going to react to it. Um, so uh, if you want to go with the experts, they're, they're convinced it's going to be $100,000. Uh, but I, uh, you know, for me, I don't know. I'm, 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 uh, there's, I need a little bit of data. My new job I do here, like I said, in high school is a lot of data oriented things. I'm, I work a lot of, I work a lot with statistics now and I'm not comfortable putting in the amount of money you'd need to put it into Bitcoin to, to get wealthy at this point when it's at $60,000. So mm-hmm. it's a gamble. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, about the political activism part, do you mean mainly on like social media or like, are you just like going into streets or like, what, what does that mean? I, uh, I've actually, so it started with social media and then, you know, I found some organizations I like to give to, uh, financially, um, outside of that, I, uh, I've taken it upon myself that just posting on social media feels good, but it doesn't really do a whole lot. So I've actually in my bubble tried to expand it and I, I talk to friends and colleagues and then I talk to strangers, um, you know, through, through my connections that trying to explain the way I view the world and the way I've had my own awakening, uh, just a little bit of b- information before that I, I grew up, you know, very like, I want to lack of better words, brainwashed. And I just watched the news and I just listened yeah. to, um, you know, what corporate media told me. And, um, my parents of course had a huge influence on me with that. And, uh, you know, after seeing a lot of the evils around the world, 
um, I was awoken by friends. So I thought that I could do better by reaching out directly to people, uh, engaging people and trying to bring people that you might not agree with to your side rather than just posting everyone's dumb who doesn't know this, which is kind of like the, the way a lot of people approach it. So um, I'm not a firebrand like some are on Twitter uh, and social media, but I do. My activism is more through financially assisting some really good grassroots campaigns that um, I don't need to really plug right now, um, unless we want to plug at the end. But <laughs> mainly that. <laughs> I mean, you can you mainly. can you, you can do it. It's fine. Don't don't. No, yeah, no like you know, there's like the Poor People's Campaign. Uh, there's a new uh, political party called the People's Party in the United States. I'm I'm uh, really digging what they're saying. Um, and basically, everything in the United States compared to Europe, where you are, is we just want to get to where you are in a lot of ways and that's considered radical just you know having people have health care and the living wage and basic necessities um, and fixing a lot of the racial ten- racial issues we have through uh, financial fundamental changes those are things that I support uh, and, and try to pay uh, organizations that are like-minded um, and you know my goal is to get to a European model with a lot of these things Europe's not perfect by any means. But and also, you ha- also have to like talk about different countries in Europe. Like, not every country is like doing right. that well. You're, you're right. So, like, for example, I would take a French healthcare model, which is kind of like a mix between private and public. Or I take a in a in a perfect world would be the UK model, uh, where it's nationalized completely. So I, I, that's my opinion. But I'll take anything in between too for like healthcare or uh, Scandinavian minimum wages, where people make enough to survive and have you know the mm-hmm. basic things like you know paid for uh uh, uh pre-k which we have to pay when your child turns three we in the united states you have to pay for a pre-k which is thousands and thousands of dollars per year um and that's something that most european countries have already figured out this should be paid for um so i guess a better way to rephrase it would be We'll take the worst <laughs> Western European model. Well, that would be that would be that would be Greece, I think. I don't. I'm not really sure if you want the, the Greece one. Or oh like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Or like. So I, I should I should make a correction. Okay, so Greece is a little bit uh, a little bit <laughs> a little bit low on the totem pole there, and they're they're, they're I think they're the last entry to the. You EU, also have right? like Romania, Ukraine, and they're like pretty bad, yeah. pretty bad ones. So. Yeah, Eastern Europe is tough. Eastern Europe is tough. Yeah. So it's more like Western European countries, like you know. Um, and it's and it, there's a lot of good things happening in Eastern European countries, but it's really like here, where if you consider the United States the richest country in the world, which it has been for so long, there's no excuse for the way we treat um, for the lower class in this country, the way we treat people that um, with indignity. Um, and there's just there's no excuse for it. So that's what really has enraged me, and that's what's made me um, politically active these days more so. Well, that's awesome that you're like trying to do something about it. Um, Doing the best I can. I'm not taking the streets though, unfortunately. I think (laughs) I I have no good excuse for that besides new being a dad these days and the couple jobs I have. But uh, I I can see myself as an older man, retired, just ranting like a lunatic in the streets with (laughs) socks. My that's gonna be my future. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get into 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 magic. Um, You've actually played for about. 30 pro tours, but I think you're like more connected to like the Star City tour. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, how did that like all happen? Because I think you're writing there for like 12 or 14 years, like maybe something like that. That's like a very long time. You even like to pay it like f- 
I think you've told me like five invitationals in a row or something. That's like super impressive stats. Um, can you just like maybe maybe talk about that? That why you maybe like but didn't go for like the actual pro, but maybe for like the Star City Pro. Yeah. Um, so I started my first pro tours in 2004. Uh, the nationals before that, 2003, or excuse me, regionals before that. I top eight. That was my first um, success in Magic. Was that regionals top eight? It was like skull clamp uh, era. Um, so I top eight that regionals, and then it set me off to uh, go to nationals, where I went 05, as you would in your first nationals. <laughs> and then, uh, then you get that fire. You know, when you do poorly in a, in a high scale, a high end tournament. You, you know, just like you've done in the past and others that have loved the game, it, it, it lights that fire and you want to, you want to do, you want to get back there. All you want to do is get back there. So I played in PTQ, won a PTQ, went to a pro tour, did okay. Um, and the problem was I was just starting my teaching career. So I was, you know, teaching, you only get two days off a year beside the weekends and oh, really? anything beside that. Yeah. And anything beside that, you have to call out sick. So I would go to these pro tours, call out sick to Friday, use my last sick day Monday to get back. I would, uh, you know, uh, take days of unpaid leave. I would, I came close to losing my job a few times. Uh, there's a world's tournament in Japan. I forgot what year it was, maybe 2010, 11, around there. I'm not sure exactly what year it was, maybe seven. Uh, whenever I was in Japan, I was qualified for that and I couldn't go because my boss told me I would, I would get fired. Oh, wow, that's so. rough. Yeah, so it's been it's been that was the reason why I wasn't really known for pro tours. I didn't really get to play test a whole lot. I was always working, always busy. Um, I didn't really have teams going in, but I was very creative with my decks. And kind of before the internet age, um, I was able to make like you know these cool new combo decks. Like uh, one of the big ones I was known for was like Greater Gifts, where I took it to states, got second. Uh, Frank Carson, who famously got what is what is a uh, Greater's gift decks? I don't really, I don't really know it. I don't think. Okay, so it's a uh, Greater Good is a, a is surrendered around that enchantment. It's a four mana enchantment. You sack a creature, you draw cards. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So Frank Carson took that deck, which it had like the dragons in there, like Yose, which would tap lands down and reanimate it, and just infinitely tap lands while attacking for five with a Chorus Vengeance. So he took that deck and got second and gave me credit, which is awesome. He said that, you know, this random dude in Virginia, <laughs> I saw this deck. So um, I found that to be my passion was to make decks and have people do well with them when I couldn't or for me to try to make a name for myself with the decks when I um, go to these tournaments. And then, uh, you know, but like I said, the pro scene was tough. It's a, it's a harder scene. You need to practice. You need to play test. You need to be on a team for great success. You have to take a lot of days off. So I started to look at Star City uh, when they opened up uh, around 2011 for me um, because those tournaments, I didn't have to take all these days off. I could drive there. Yeah. I could drive back. I didn't have to fly around the world. Uh, so I went to play in these uh, big tournaments, and <clears throat> I've had – Uh, over a dozen of those top eights and uh, with like you said the invitationals um, that was when uh, Sinks of Revelation was legal <laughs> that year so <laughs> it was surprise surprise four, but, yeah, exactly it was uh, basically four invitationals in a row with Supreme Verdict, Sphinx's Revelation Control decks in standard and then uh, Stoneblade uh, after Tom Martell's top eight Stoneblade and Legacy and it was just easy Um, you know, people just try to play other things and they just weren't as good as Sphinx's Revelation and um, I was able to capitalize on it and that really launched me into 
um, my, a permanent riding gig at Star City that launched me into. I started coaching back in 2013. I think I was one. I think I was the first to do official coaching in Magic. Um, oh, really? Summer yeah, it was the summer of 2013. I I just got on Twitter like a couple years before that, and I was just offering, and it was. It was lucrative and it was fun, but draining. And I, I think that the new coaches now, with their setup, it's it's better to get a PVDR to, to <laughs> teach you to play Magic than me. So, but uh, yeah, it was it was quite a ride, and that's why I went to Star City because um, it takes just less effort to do well. It was an easier scene. Um, it was a scene that was more conducive for somebody working with uh, a full time job. Um, and I commend the Seagrists in the world and. Uh, the others that have full families, they go to all these pro tours. Seth uh, Manfield has a couple girls or a couple kids. Um, you know, these these folks have found a magic way to do this. I just I just don't know how they did it, but um, uh, that's the reason. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to ask about the, the the fact that you always play control. Like, what is what is going on with that? Like, is it that just like you're doing it maybe for your brand, or you just don't really know how to play anything else, or you just like really like it? Like, what is going on with that? Uh, a little bit from all those columns, actually. <laughs> um, I th so it started with, uh, I really hated, this is from more of the casual side, I really hated getting mana flooded. And I, and just losing games by drawing a bunch of lands later in the game and not really having much to do with it. So I, when I started finding these decks that had, you know, drawing... 22 land in the game was good, you know, we're able to do all these X spells and expensive spells. Um, I found that to be more enjoyable and I found more wiggle room there. Uh, a big reason back then was the spells were so good. Back in 2013 or 2003, 2004, when I started, the creatures were awful. I mean, I had people playing, you know, I was at big tournaments and they're playing a locks on smiter and putting a sword on it. And I'm here, you know, casting you know, ridiculous spells with top and, uh, you know, uh, factor fictions and <laughs> exalted angels, decree of justice. Like these spells are way more powerful. Um, so I really got, you get addicted to that. You, you get addicted to, uh, always having it later in the game. You get addicted to that play style. Um, and then it started moving into branding. Uh, I really became known as the control guy. My, my tournament finishes were not great. So I had to find a way to, um, you know, I want to find a way to kind of become known for something. You're, you're never going to remember the person who finished ninth at Worlds one year like I did or the guy who went to 30 Pro Tours that played like the best deck every time. Those people um, kind of go without the wayward side of history. And I wanted to kind of go down to somebody at least with some recognition of, okay, this guy played these crazy combo decks and these crazy control decks um, and did well with them. And it really helped me. I, I built an audience. Um, <clears throat> I've been writing for Star City since 2006 because, uh, as Cedric Phillips said in a podcast or in a coverage, he said, mentioned me, and he's like, I don't know why. He writes the same article every week, and they keep reading him, <laughs> which is like, funny but it's kind of true you know I, I really do write about the same stuff the same style of decks and i have uh the same awesome amazing audience that reads my work and um you know even though i'm kind of removed from tournaments they still still read me because of that so to answer your question all of them uh mm -hmm. branding uh it's i'm better at those decks and worse at others and um you know because it's just the more comfortable deck and the more uh, you get rewarded for drawing a bunch of lands. You have a lot more options in the, uh, you know, to for victory. 
Um, and, it, and it requires, honestly, it requires less practice. And I'll probably get in trouble for this, but I always secretly said that aggro decks are a little bit harder to play. I'll I agree, never say I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. I mean, I just... They play some creatures. I kill them all with a Doom Scar, and then I play my Planeswalker. It's not, it's not rocket science, but I always kind of joked around and said it was always the other way. But people know. People know. Yeah, I think if you're like a complete beginner, then like aggro is easier because because you can still play the creatures and attack with them. But once you get like better, playing control is actually like easier because you have like less options every turn. So yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah it makes sense. I, I yeah, just yeah. I, I just wanted to ask about it like it's since 2006 or or something like that um that's like a very long time did you ever play aggro during that time or was it just like always control uh yeah i i played aggro um so it's funny bbd made a tweet a while ago he said shaheen is 95 percent control four percent bad combo decks and one percent mono red and i'll i'll go to a pro tour here and there i played mono red at a pro tour it was the it was the standard pro tour with hazaret um i played mono red with my team there um and i played uh margin liver i know i'm gonna butcher that name uh and he and i were joking around i've known him for a couple years and uh he said you know you're one day you just need to shock somebody and play like a term one like you know goblin got an attack and we were we haven't started the match and i played turn one bow mac courier attack and he goes oh <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was it was a funny scene and uh you know i've, I've actually uh i've never done well with it i always have fun <laughs> but always every opponent i play is like shocked and laughing at me and uh i miss damage here and I, I just obviously don't practice enough with it but i will play aggro just to shock have a good time I love aggro unlimited. I actually was a very good limited player for a while. I think I was much better limited uh, growing uh, through my, my career than and then uh, constructed. And most of the time I played aggro unlimited because I I found that it was the more underutilized archetypes usually. And it was easy to kind of draft into those even if they were the colors were taken. Uh, still getting enough aggressive cards and pump spells are usually historically right. Um, so I do see the value in it. But I don't think um, I don't like it if I have time to prepare for a tournament. I don't like it if I have uh, you know um, a format I like that I think control is good in. If the control is twenty percent effective, I'm still going to play control. It's only when all is lost do so I go switch to the model red decks. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the draft because it's funny that you mentioned it yourself. Uh, you, you play all these control decks, you know, in constructed, uh, and I just wanted to ask about like you know at the pro tour you have to play draft. Uh, can you like actually attack people? You said that you mostly draft aggro. It's just kind of like weird because like it's a, it's it's a completely different skill set. Um, how, how, how is that working out for you? Like, it's just like every tournament, you're just like trying to kill all of your opponent creatures, and then like every three months, you know, you have to like kill them with attacking. Like, like was it fine or? Well, it definitely, it definitely required. It definitely is. Um, one doesn't help the other for sure. It was two different things. The the best part was I would spend the majority of my time practicing and playing limited because my control was already solved. I knew I was going to play this control deck i've already had enough practice with it and like i mentioned like you mentioned earlier too control ain't that hard these days i mean it's not hard to kind of figure out if you're an experienced player it's, it's the same type of limited plays you have of they play a spell on turn two i got a mana leak it 
I mean, I'm not, it doesn't even matter what it is. <laughs> These, it, it, turn three, they play as a creature. I have a hero's downfall and a hero's downfall. So, like, the control didn't take a lot of time. So I would spend the majority of our play testing, especially when I, uh, in recent years, when I got on uh, teams, I was on team like Lynn Green Souls. I was on team face-to-face. I was on team uh, Card Hoarder. So I've had some teams in the last few years um, and BCW recently. <clears throat> so... When I was on teams, we would spend all of our time playtesting limited. And I would spend all my time focusing on that to master combat and combat tricks and dealing lethal damage where I wouldn't do that in constructed. And I, for a while, um, I I posted I, I posted a win rate in limited back in 2014, 2015, and a few pros were like, "That can't be real." And I cut and pasted my screen from uh, that program that we used to be able to use. It shows your breakdown, and yeah. it was really high professional. Uh, limited win rate and uh it was because i spent all my time on that the amount of time i had so it does it does take practice and i found it to be challenging and fun and everybody who plays on the pro tour regularly if you pull them and and i would ask you the same question they think limited is more fun than constructed everybody loves the draft portion so uh it wasn't hard to to find time to practice that all right i think i've asked everything i wanted to ask uh thanks for your time uh, if you guys like the video, please click on the like and subscribe button and good luck with anything you're doing. I hope you save the save the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I do too. Appreciate it, man. Bye.